I like to think of myself as someone who can make decisions quickly. Maybe that comes with being firstborn, or maybe it's just really my pride, when in fact, having discernment is not very clear, especially with the many choices we're confronted with each day. Like, for example, the mundane decision of what to eat. When restaurant chains were required to begin posting information on nutrition and calories, all of a sudden that fettuccine alfredo with half my calories for the day becomes less and less appealing, and my ability to choose slows down as I try to figure out what's better, the healthier choice or going with what I really want to eat. In weightier decisions, to care to have discernment is to trust that there is in fact a God who has defined what is good and that our choices matter as we desire to honor and please Him. Hannah Anderson, in her book, All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment, defines discernment as the ability to sort between a host of options and pick what is good. The problem is, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we're flawed, and when left on our own, we lack discernment. So how can we know what's best when so many things in life that I pursue are not clearly prescribed in the Bible? This is Life as He Reveals, where we unpack the Christian faith beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Sharice Lee, and in this episode, we're looking at discernment, what it is, why we need it, and how we get it. Proverbs 20, 24 says, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? It can be puzzling to wrap our head around the idea that there's human agency in our choices, and yet God supremely reigns over everything. In discerning, we determine to know what's good, and even in a broken world, there can be delight and an abundant life in discerning his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I mean, discernment seems like a bigger thing, right? You, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a choice of what to eat for lunch, but um, things that have bigger impact um, for your life. Liz Lee is an elementary school teacher in the public school system, and she and her husband George have two children, a daughter in college and a son in high school. Liz reflects back with us on how discerning has played a role in different seasons of her life and what it looks like for her now. You know, having lived over five decades of of years, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of choices that you make over that time. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah. And, you know, for fortunately for myself, I I would say for the better part of um, three and a half decades, I... I did have a spiritual desire, right? And mm. so that helped me tremendously to um, make the choices at whatever junctions of life there were. And there were a lot, you know. Um, you know, in the earlier part of my life, when I was younger, um, I would recall um, being upset by something like, something now that I can look back upon it as as trivial as whether or not um, I got invited to be uh, part of somebody's bridal party, Mm. right? You know, like things that um, really upset me then, but um, when I reflect back, um, it required me to, I think, be humble and be uh, open 
to other people's point of view. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, part of our own sinful nature is that we gravitate towards our own comfort and our own views of life and don't consider others um, above ourselves. But I think um, at the time, because I struggled with that, I, I ultimately came to realize I have to, to talk through this with this friend. And, um, you know, it it came to a point where I needed to let go of that personal vanity and my own opinions and beliefs. It was her choice, you know, this is her wedding. And so there's no reason why I need to impose my thought on her. Um, So that was some, you know, a younger version of myself that Mm. now I I regret a lot. But um, um, there was another time where with um, another fellow believer, she made a choice to do something that impacted uh, my family and a number of others too at the time. And um, it was really difficult, you know, especially when it's a a fellow believer where you might have differences. Hmm. Um, And I think ultimately then too, it came to letting go of my own desire um but at least to be able to bring it up to the person and um have an honest talk with with her about it and um pray about it too because at the time i i knew it was not going to be an easy path Hmm. um but i think that um having discernment means that you also should have an intimate and working knowledge of who God is and um, his attributes and knowing him intimately like that helps you know which path you should be taking, Mm. you know? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but just, yeah, being willing to observe those um, less than, well, the less polished sides of you and to, um, to accept and also be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and, and then also be open to hearing what other people might have to say to you about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you bring up a good point of, you know, in, in your younger years, like learning to get over yourself or, um, you know, there's some maturity that happens um, over time, thankfully. How, mm-hmm. how do you, so, and if we think about discernment in a distinctly Christian sense, where we allow ourselves to not just think about what we want necessarily, because what I want may not be wise or may not be the best thing and have consequences, as, as you shared in the example of, of your friend, how, how do we, or how did you maybe learn to kind of undo that way of, of maybe not considering other things into the equation or how, what do we do to get over ourselves in in, <laughs> in this area of discernment? Cause I, I mean, I don't know. I would say, I don't know. Does it, does it get easier with time and more decisions like wisdom? It, it kind of increases with time mm. or what do you think has been helpful to you in mm. being able to grow in this area of discernment? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I I guess I'm going to be the first to say, or at least say up front, I don't know that it really um, is easier with time. Mm. Um, 
in the sense that, you know, like you still do have the same struggles and you do have the sinful parts and, and the selfishness that you deal with. But I, I would say maybe even though it is hard still, but you have um, maybe the, the many years and the experiences of where God has um, brought the good out of it mm-hmm. to reflect back on. Mm-hmm. So that gives me hope that even though... Um, you know, things will still arise nowadays where I'm, I'm still struggling with similar things. Um, I, I feel like God is with me mm. and has seen me through those times where I was not as mature or I was not as willing to um, change. But I would say definitely maintaining regular devotions mm-hmm. is a huge part of knowing who God is and and that just helps me to know better what his will is in my life mm. you know um, I, I kind of like to think about this time back in when our early part of our marriage like we actually were looking at wedding rings together right mm-hmm. and of course neither of us knew anything about rings no, none of us are in the business and neither of us wears rings but when we first looked at diamond rings and all that stuff there was so much to learn right there's all these these and things that you're supposed to look into all these numbers um and i think of how once you understand that system you know what to look for Hmm. so i feel the same with god where if you know the character he is Hmm. you know if you know who he is then you're gonna know what he desires Hmm. and so it's like that i mean now I have no inkling still of what, how to shop for a ring because I haven't done it since then, <laughs> 25 <laughs> years. But, but reading God's word, I still use that. And every single mm. day that I do, it brings me closer to understanding, um, you know, the next crisis or the next dilemma or hard decision I make. Okay, well, which way would God lean, right? Mm. Um, having re- regular devotions is always kind of pointing me to, oh, well, this is the way God would naturally look at it, right? Um, so it definitely helps with that. And and it also helps to just be immersed um, with a godly community around you, mm. you know? Um, I think if if people haven't done it, they, they should seek a mentor. I When I was a young Christian, and because I didn't grow up in a Christian family, I... I look back and I kind of thought, well, I wish I had somebody who, um, who I could go seek and answer, ask questions of and sort of run things by them and get their take on it. You know, I think Mm. that's a really valuable thing to do. Um, and you know, when part of, you know, when we started having the children, um, I recall a time, um, looking for a pediatrician for, for both Erica and Curtis, right? And I went out to go interview. I think there were five pediatricians on my list. And um, I interviewed five, and I knew instantly who it was that I needed to select. Mm-hmm. Because the one that I finally selected, she, um, you know, this is before the kids were born, but I was just spending time to go meet with them. And she took the time, her name's Jane Anderson and she's retired, but (laughs) she took the time to ask how I was 
because she knew that that would have an impact on how I would um, deliver the baby and how I felt about it beforehand and, and things that I had not thought about beforehand, but she already knew being a doctor of, I don't know, 30 or 40 years experience. Mm. And she was also a believer. And um, I think if you immerse yourself with people who are of a similar mind, they too can be, if no, no, for lack of having an actual mentor, some people who, um, who are around you mm. are likely to want the same things as you. Those are two really excellent points that you brought up. One, that example of just knowing knowing who God is and then being able to discern uh, whatever decisions loom before you based on how, you know, just, just what you know of him in scripture. And I love that example that you gave of ring shopping and how that became easier once you knew what you were looking for. <laughs> and I thought immediately too, you know, you, you're a teacher as, as I am. And the more, and this is where I do think experience does count and perhaps does make it easier that you you probably could say looking back now as as a teacher for this many number of years that you you kind of know your students in a way where there is a wisdom there where you can discern you know what they need better than what you did probably earlier in your career Mm -hmm. based on the experience that you've had and that you've gathered and Mm -hmm. you know probably Mm -hmm. this time too, just being in the pandemic, not having that community of teachers is a bit harder, but same would apply to us as believers, either being in the community of other believers who can help us guide and shape those decisions biblically, or, you know, in, in the, in the case of a specific person or mentor, as you, right. as you mentioned, mm-hmm. as far as things that you've had to discern and looking at scripture, have you found anything helpful to you? I know you've mentioned just getting to know who God is through scripture, but is are there stories or um, verses that you look to in scripture that have been particularly useful? Mm, um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think um, I, I have this, um, I don't know, I have a wall in my mm-hmm. room where I throw post-its up on there and um, the post-its are there to remind me of the verses that have really meant a lot to me. So when you ask, are there specific um, verses for discernment? I, I went to my wall first mm-hmm. just to see mm-hmm. um, what verses have meant more to me, maybe. Um, and I think for each person, it may be different because as you approach the word, um, the Holy Spirit will have you learn something differently from what I might learn from the same verse, but will definitely still speak to you, right? Mm. Um, but there are a couple of verses up there that I think are generally good for me to um, keep in mind um, as I go about my day and as I go about um, making decisions for smaller or bigger um, impacts. And one I have is Proverbs sixteen nine. Mm, that's my that's um, been my verse too. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love having that reminder to me. Um, the heart of man plans his way, mm-hmm. but the Lord establishes his steps. Mm. And uh, I don't know. It's probably my my own personality being a school teacher that I plan things to the minute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when things go awry or don't go according to plan, to plan, I get extremely, I, I can panic easily mm-hmm. and get a little bit flustered. Um, and over and over, God has always shown me when I look back at those moments, even when they were terrible at the moment, um, I really didn't have to, to, to feel like I was a failure. Instead, there was actually something to be learned from it mm. that I didn't really plan on doing, but um, ultimately was really quite amazing. Um, and then another um, is Psalm 119, verse 11, which is, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm. And, uh, and that one goes back to that that ring analogy that if you know God's character, um, you will know whether something ahead of you is or isn't in his will. Hmm. And, um, so if I, if I maintain that, that study and, and know what his word means for me personally, then, um, it'll be easier than not, not entirely clear, but Hmm. easier. (laughs) to uh, figure out what is sin and what is not sin to him. Um, And a couple other verses. I have ones that came to my mind too. Um, Romans 12, verse 2, Mm. which is, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. yeah, and, and that one definitely just tells me I am still a work in progress. Hmm. And um, there are yet still many things that I still need to be transformed of hmm. and habits that I um, still need to break. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good reminder that um, what lays ahead um, hmm. is still going to be... Um, probably a lot of positions ahead, but, um, I can still have a mind that can, uh, renew mm-hmm. by accepting and continuing to seek what he wants. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. good thing to hold that intention and, and, you know, just knowing that, you know, even, even as we get older and maybe get a little bit wiser, hopefully, um, you know, <laughs> we, we still, you know, hold loosely, you know, before God, you know, our, our own ability to, to choose, but, yet also his overarching sovereignty. I yeah. I just have one last question for you that I was thinking of as, as you were sharing. And, and now that, so I'm thinking specifically now for you as a mom mm-hmm. and, you know, you have one daughter who's, um, you know, uh, an adult, I guess, essentially, right? Um, mm-hmm. And making her own decisions and then one who's just on his way. How do you as a mom you know, because I can speak from my experience as a big sister, I, I want to make my decisions for my sister, you know, because I think I know what's best for her. Um, but yeah. how do you, how, you know, and, you know, now, especially that, that as they're older, what, what do you do to just allow your children to make their decisions and walk and walk their own process and journey through discerning and their own relationship with God without... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just telling them what to do. How do you have that, hold that intention for you and George, as far as like knowing your children are going to make mistakes, you know, as we all do. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, just allowing them to learn what discernment is for themselves. 
Yeah, that is a good question. I do, <laughs> I, I do think, you know, like um, there are many things in life where there isn't a right or wrong, mm. you know? A, a lot of decisions are big, but mm-hmm. there's not a right or wrong to it, you know? For example, when we bought our house, you know, was it right to buy the house we have right now? If we had bought the other houses we had considered, would it have been wrong? I don't think that there was a right or wrong to it because, mm. you know, scripture tells us that God will work all things for good. Mm. So that's one thing that I would say to them that you don't have to make every decision bigger than it needs to be. Mm. But, but that what you, what the, the decisions that you have in front of you, you are given the set of circumstances or the information that you know at that time, you know, like, um, if you've done your homework, you'll look into the options and you've weighed your options. Maybe you've come up with your pros and cons. Um, you you only can make the best decision that you can at that time, right? Mm. Um, so you, that's what you can do. It's That's the best you can do. And that's what God asks us to do. He's given us what talent we have or what gift we have. And we can only do what we're given what abilities were given Hmm. so you know don't be afraid to make the choice um make it and um go with all the efforts and the abilities that god's given you and if god thinks otherwise he will still turn it for good Hmm. right i i think ultimately many times people actually know what a correct decision might be if there's an immoral or immoral aspect to it Mm -hmm. but they're just afraid to um, maybe for possible failure. Um, and that's very normal, but I think even if it isn't, um, the best choice that God will turn it for good. And I think that, you know, like hopefully that gives them more hope, um, Mm. for whatever choice they make. Proverbs 16, nine says the heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes the steps. We learn from Liz that discernment presents a challenge in each season, but she's taking what she has gleaned in faith and trust in God's overarching sovereignty and encouraging her children to do the same. To really discern um, something like, it does require this other person um, to engage and involve um, and listen for that person's voice. And I mean, it's God's voice is what you're really, really listening for. I'm talking now with Michelle C., who, along with her family, has been pressed into making decisions they were not expecting as they found themselves this year having to decide their future as overseas workers when the pandemic turned a weeks-long vacation into a months-long holding pattern. Something that impressed me in hearing their story was that though their future remains uncertain, the faith necessary to live each day is something that they cling to. A lot of times what I really think happens for all, for most of us, and I know that I do, is that we get confused about what voices like we're really taking into the process. And so um, we think about it we think about our decisions and how we're discerning our decisions and we forget like which voices um, we want to be surrounding ourselves with and um, just recognizing and understanding that like his voice, it has to be um, to be that loudest um, 
voice and recognizing like what we're doing that might be um, cutting off his voice Hmm. and being really, really hard. I mean, it sounds crazy, but being really hard on ourselves when we're putting any tiny thing in there that like can prevent us from like being able to really see and hear and listen to his voice. So whether it's like books we might be reading or, you know, things like websites we might be reading or, um, you know, just messages that like might distort or um, prevent us from like having like a, um, you know, perspective of righteousness. And what I mean by that is not like not taking, it's not that we're not trying to listen to others and hear and understand and respect and um, try to understand someone else's opinion, but things that cause us to sin. And I think what we, we do, like, especially at this moment in time in history is like, we do have a desire as people that know God to like, listen and understand others. But what we have to be so hard on ourselves about is when that understanding and listening to others actually is leading us into, into sin too. Um, so anyways, that's just like, it was, it was funny because those were some of my first thoughts were just about how, um, hard I've had to be on myself in the year of 2020 about things like news outlets and how much I'm going to track, you know, count like the, the virus numbers in different countries or, um, you know, right now at the election, like what state has how many votes or whatever's going on in the world, like not letting those things consume me, you know, of course being aware and praying about them, but not letting them consume me because when I'm letting them consume me and I'm letting like my eyes only watch those things, I just, I can't lift my eyes up to God and I can't like focus on him or, or see him. So discernment, I think just begins with like walking with God moment by moment, having, um, having that perspective that every moment I can be turning my heart towards him or I can be turning my heart away from him and I always am having that choice and I want to be turning my heart up towards him and when I see myself not doing it you know confessing repenting and just you know changing direction quickly and doing it all day throughout the day um in little ways so that when the big decisions do come I'm already right with the Lord like everything's good like we're you know, I'm listening and I'm being able to hear his voice and I'm just in constant fellowship with him and praying and all that. Um, because on a day by day basis, I'm, I'm just walking with him. For many Christians, I think, at least in, in my observation, I, as we talk about discernment, it, it sort of enters into this realm of ambiguity because then it, it involves a question of, so what is God's will? you know, for me. And, and I think that often we may get too paralyzed by the thought of choosing wrong or, Mm -hmm. or wanting to be within God's will. And, you know, for, for some, I guess there's extremes, right? We, we either can't make a decision or, um, we just go with, you know, whatever, you know, our fleshly desires would, would have us lead. So why, what are some barriers you think, you know, Mm -hmm. other than what I've just named as far as, as people try to discern what's best in their lives? um, What kind of barriers do you see that people have in trying to discern these different areas and figuring out God's will? 
Yeah. It is, that is a really fantastic question. And I think what you brought up is like the one side, like if there's a, if there's a spectrum, there's this one side that's like afraid because Mm -hmm. they don't want to make the the wrong decision and they're scared to decide uh, or discern. They're scared to decide or discern or to say, to say decisively, God, this is what God wants for me. Um, and it's actually, it's actually good. Like they don't want to displease God. They don't want to misrepresent God. Um, and those are good. Those are good things. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you may also have people who say things like, this is God's will. It is God's call. Mm-hmm. Or, or recently this week, the scary thing I heard, it's been prophesized that, mm. and I just think that's even scary. Like that's scary stuff to, mm. um, to be, to say you have the mouth to be able to say what God's will is like that's a that's a scary place too like you kind of want to be in the middle of just being able to say Mm. I feel good about moving forward and I feel good about this decision because I've discerned that I understand God's bigger purposes Mm. and so I really think it starts being in the middle I think it really starts with scripture, like having your worldview come from scripture and not come from outside of it. And so valuing what God values from scripture versus like valuing, um, you know, just what the world is saying is important at that moment. Um, and, and that's, that's a, that's a, a hard line to walk sometimes too, because you can quickly go into the, well, I, I have God's mouth because I've read it in the Bible. <laughs> you know, you can quickly mm-hmm. go to that other dangerous extreme, or you can go to the extreme of like, you know, I mean, the Bible is a hard book to understand. Like I've been um, in the old Testament and my, my kids, we've been doing some old Testament history together. And I mean, quite honestly, sometimes I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like We've been reading about Elijah and Elisha. And I'm like, yes, 42 boys just got killed by some bears. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think that this says about God and about people? And But, you know, overall, big picture, like if we can, if we can get like kind of understanding that God made the world, he made it perfectly and he made human beings in his image, man and woman in his image. And then he made them to be in perfect relationship with him. And he made them to be in relationship with one another and to to fill the earth. But something went really, really wrong. And all of that got messed up. And ever since it's been messed up, God, God's big story has been, he is redeeming it and he's made, he's making it right. And he's making it right through his son, Jesus. And we're now back in relationship with him and our relationships with others are even restored. Our relationship with him is restored first and foremost, but even with others, it's all restored through his son, Jesus. And eventually he will return and he will make the world right again. Um, And even better because humans will not have the ability to, you know, to fall back into that. It's going to be better because it's going to be the new heaven, the new earth. It's going to be perfect. Mm. And when we remember like the whole big story um, we can realize like God is probably doing so many different things in our individual situations and in our individual lives, but we want our life to be, we want our life to be pointed towards that. Like, and that, 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 you know, end goal of, you know, him creating, you know, him restoring what has been, um, you know, lost, like all of our other small things kind of just, they, they fade away when we remember, wow, there's this other bigger 
story he's going on that's going on mm-hmm. um, and so some of our decisions like become more about hey how would God want me to be part of that story today to be part of you know letting him change my heart and letting him change the hearts of people around me and recognizing that the pain and the suffering because this world right now it's like a world in trauma there is a lot of suffering and a lot of change happening in the world and it's happening rapidly and quickly and if we um aren't able to like have our eyes fixed on like that god is building up to an end goal of just beauty and perfection that he will bring about and when jesus is on the throne um like we're just going to get lost in the like trying to recover what's changing around us mm-hmm. right now and we don't want that either we don't want to just get lost in recovering um we want to get caught up in being part of the story of what he's he's bringing about so but i think what what can hinder us from that too is sometimes things that we haven't like processed um i know you talked about and one of your earlier ones talked about like loss mm-hmm. but also just things from our past maybe we haven't processed or things just about who we are as people. God made us all so different and he gave us different personalities. We're all unique. But just even we, if we don't take time to understand who we are uniquely and how we're made, like those things can really hinder us from um, being able to like make decisions and discern what God wants us to do in the context of his big story. Because we're just so trapped by like not understanding ourselves and not having maybe healed from past things or, um, you know, letting things that, that, that just kind of can hinder, hinder us. And so sometimes I feel like when, when somebody's like caught in indecision, um, and they're not really expressing how they're feeling about it, it might be that there's just like too much other emotion or other things bottled up in there. Um, and that that not ability to make a decision could just be God's grace of, hey, spend this time in the in the season instead, getting to know yourself better, getting to you know spend time healing from past hurts, unpacking all of that, um, so that when when it's out there and when God's been able to heal it and take care of it, that you are able to move forward much much more free. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I feel like 2020. I know I know people say like, oh, 2020 is like the worst year ever. It could be this incredible gift God has given us all, um, like that he, first of all, got our attention in this really huge way, um, and then he gave us maybe a little bit more time because we're shelter in place or quarantine or just need to, you know, social distance from people. Um, it could be this incredible gift that he got our attention, and all all the, the yucky things that we feel is are also the things that he wants us just to, like, really think about and look at and give to him and confess if they're sin um, or let him heal if they're just hurts that need to be healed um, but not to like try to ignore it all but instead view this whole you know situation and circumstance as an opportunity for him to take out the things that he didn't really want there anymore in us so that we can just move forward mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm, I'm trying more and more to view this year as that. And as I do, like, confess my own stuff and, and let him heal the stuff that needs to be healed. 
and then, um, you know, bring my frustration to him and why can't I make this decision or why are these things not, um, you know, working out the way I want them to, but recognize that might be exactly what he wants Mm -hmm. in this season, because without that frustration and uncertainty, he couldn't reveal, um, the things that he needs to take out and just heal and the sins I need to confess and Mm. all of that. So. Yeah, I, I appreciate how in that, in this season, you know, 2020, where a lot of our agency has been taken away, a lot of our sense of control, our sense of rights, you know, perhaps we're, we're uh, having to make less decisions just because if we've we are limited, right, to what is in front of us or restricted by what government says or what, however the pandemic uh, is uh, taking its course. And I think it's exposed, you know, at least for me, a, a question of, you know, Charisse, do you, do you trust me? And mm-hmm. I think the agency that I normally have, you know, in life, you know, without a pandemic um, seems to be a lot more freeing because I can make these decisions and 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 sometimes not include God in them and now you know seeing more of my helplessness and and I'm sure this is for a lot of other people as well that there's there's a faith issue I think mm-hmm. that um, we all we all lack and yeah I think you know another extreme could be too at times where we see everything happening around us and we kind of adopt a sort of fatalistic approach mm-hmm. or mentality towards it where, you know, the things that we we do don't matter or the things that we decide don't matter because it's just going to happen the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we guard against that? Because, you know, I, I think that can be another extreme in, in terms of our discerning. Like, we, we just don't um yeah. you know we don't we uh sort of just let things happen to us and, yeah. and we don't take the faith or have the mm-hmm. approach of saying well you know i have agency in making these choices in my day-to-day lives to honor god be faithful to him mm-hmm. sometimes we fall mm-hmm. into that other extreme of just saying well it's going to be it is what it is. That's what we say often, right? Um, yeah, yeah. This is where we are. Right, I right. Thought, but this is where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like we get really passive because just like mm. you said, it's like we feel like, oh, well, it doesn't actually matter. So whether I get out of bed and put on my clothes for the day or stay in my pajamas all day, it actually doesn't matter. Um, and so we can be passive or we can be fatalistic. And, and both really we don't want to be because it, it dishonors God. Um, so much because he still has, um, you know, joy for us in the day. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I mean, mental health wise, like <laughs> knowing that like God can use you in your house or he can use you out in the world. I don't... Anyways, but, um, but what I wanted to, what I really wanted to say when you um, were just talking about like this all is that realizing that Sometimes when we have the, sometimes I think when we come at it from the fatalistic way, I think it's um, because there's disappointment and loss mm. and hurt. So sometimes like a mechanism we use, and this is this is me, and um, sometimes the mechanism I use is I'll just be like, well, it doesn't matter anyways. But what really I need to stop and talk about with the Lord when I start saying that is that 
you know, God, I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, God, you didn't protect me in this situation. God, this feels like you've taken something away from me. Um, God, you've done these things to me. Um, like I need to be honest about my disappointment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes as Christians, some of the things that happen is that something that can happen is that we are aware that there is more suffering out in the world than just our own. And that ours as American Christians might not be that, um, that dramatic or that, uh, that like if there's a scale of loss, it might be a smaller loss perhaps than somebody else's. And so we minimize it and pretend it doesn't exist instead of being open and honest and, and taking it to God. Um, but if we do take it to God and let him heal it of us, you know, let, it, let him heal and let him bring comfort and peace, suddenly that comfort and peace that he's given us, then we have something that we can in turn give the world. And mm-hmm. um, a great example of this for me was um, – for my family, we, I don't, I don't actually know, but we may have lost our entire home, um, because of the COVID-19 situation. I don't want to get entirely into it, but it's like border, um, closings and some other different things. And Sharice, of course, you know all about it. Um, but it's, it's been hard for me sometimes because I feel like a disappointment and I feel also like I had a friend, like, so for example, I had a friend and um, she lost her home this year, too, mm-hmm. in the fires in Northern California and went through her whole neighborhood and her house burned to the ground. She has the chimney and the yard and that's all. It just went. And, and the, the emotion I had right after that happened, of, like, of course, I was sad for her. And I also felt a twinge of jealousy. And so immediately I was like, okay, this, I'm, I'm growing. I'm so growing because I just saw jealousy in me. Mm-hmm. And I know that means... I, I know what it means. I can identify it. And and it means that there's something wrong. There's something I need to talk to God about and um, kind of spent time thinking about it. And what I realized is like, I'm in this limbo. I don't know if I lost my home. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'll be able to retrieve some things. What things will I be able to retrieve? I don't know. But like for her, she's not in the limbo at all. I was just jealous of hmm. she got a complete loss. And um, I just had to talk to God about that. And it was just a, it was just good. Like just get it off my chest, admit I felt jealous. So crazy that I would have that emotion, but I did, and move on. But what it, but what then you know comes later is like this peace and this comfort, discernment, and people who are able to like work through some of these different things. They're receiving from God, like, and they're receiving from God, healing from pain and hurt and disappointment. Mm. They're receiving from God forgiveness when, you know, their actions and motives are, you know, marred by sin. And God totally knows that we're like that Mm. because (laughs) he knows how we were supposed to be. And he knows now we're fallen and it's, you know, he's bringing grace and he's restoring. And so all of this, we can't hide from him. And when we try to hide it or when we try to ignore it or bottle it down or don't, don't like kind of recognize that this is, this is who we are. This is, this is it. Like this is the number one thing and all the other worldviews that are out there and all the other messages that are competing, they're actually not systems that work. This is the system that works relationship with God and not hiding stuff from him, but open, honest relationship with God and going to him to restore us and make us right. And, you know, to walk through life and relate right relationship with him and right relationship with others. Mm. Um, 
And then as believers, if we have the, we then get the desire to minister to others, but it's because we've received something. Mm. Um, And that's like a big thing too. I, I think a lot of times we think about like calling or discernment of how we can serve him in ministry. Um, but we have to just make sure day by day that we're actually receiving something to give. Um, and then we are really able actually to go out into the world and serve and love. And Yeah. Well, you know, what I'm hearing as you talk about this is that discerning the act of discerning has this transformative aspect to it and and perhaps that is exactly what makes it so distinct as far as the christian experience of of discernment because it changes us it it allows us to see what is good you know according to you know what what god would reveal to us and knowing that there, there is good here, you know, on this mm-hmm. earth, even in our flesh and in our sin. And at the same time, what you've been saying is that it does point us to a greater future reality, you know, when everything mm-hmm. will be perfectly good. And mm-hmm. our struggle in deciding and having wisdom on what we do with our lives, you know, it, it, it all that it, it, it all point to a future and greater reality. And mm-hmm. I think without the discernment that we do in light of who Jesus is and our future glory, there is no transformation, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is merely kind of what we impart our will or our desires to be. And mm. I think that is something I got to think about a little more because I know that, you know, it takes, it takes the Holy Spirit certainly, right. To reveal these things to us. But I think as you've been sharing of what it's revealed in you, it, it takes a, an awareness and an, and a vulnerability, right. To be exposed to perhaps, you know, our own shortcomings and, and, um, yeah, our own flesh and it's not comfortable, you know, you know, or maybe, you know, like for me, it always exposes this need for control and perfectionism. And when I Mm -hmm. don't have it, you know, it's, it's very obvious that, um, (laughs) that I've been striving too much, you know, in, in my own, (laughs) in my own way. So yeah, I, I, you know, we think sometimes discernment is just about finding that one thing that was God's will Mm -hmm. for us, but God's will is, is manifold right and and part of mm-hmm. it is just us walking with him through that right it, mm-hmm. it's it's being able to have these things revealed to us through his spirit and mm-hmm. not necessarily this one thing that we're saying we gotta make a decision on it's time now in our podcast to look at scripture hebrews four twelve says for the word of god is living and it's active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Romans 12, 1-2 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Up until this point in the book of Romans, we read about the great salvation of God in Christ Jesus. Chapter 12 here begins with a clear directive for us in response to that salvation, that we live in a way that reflects God's holiness. So the question of why we should apply discernment is that we care to live as people transformed by the gospel. To do so, we align ourselves to God rather than being shaped by the world's patterns and its assessment of what is deemed as good. We know that the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, questioned what God declared was good for them, which has followed in the sin of every human sense, as it is our fleshly desire to determine what is good according to our own standard. And yet, though straying away from God is our tendency, we know that there's not a permanent futility. Can we know rightly how to discern? Absolutely. Proverbs 2.6 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James 1.5 also says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The way to get wisdom and discernment then is to seek the Lord for it. In essence, it's aligning ourselves back with our maker to know what his will is for us. And we also sometimes forget that in living according to God's desires, he promises life to us. Isaiah 55.2 asks us, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. These analogies both use the very clear analogy of food to help us better see just how good God is. On our own, we don't know what's good. But when we turn and take refuge in him, we can better understand his goodness for us. Discerning can seem like such an abstract thing, but let's talk about how we can both develop and exercise it. First, I go back to what Liz said at the beginning of her interview, that spiritual desire plays a significant role in us caring to exercise discernment. And it's true that in my flesh, I'm not naturally bent towards this desire. I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this. And if you, like me, struggle in this, we pray and ask God to teach us to want. Practicing spiritual discipline in praying and reading scripture help to form this spiritual desire. Michelle also put it simply that discernment is cultivated by day-to-day walking with the Lord and recognizing the voices that we're really relying on instead of God. A good question to ask is whether or not our filters for discerning are truly biblical. The more we know him, the more we know his character and the falsehood of other values and beliefs. Also, let's not forget that we can ask God for wisdom if we lack it. Second, we can demystify the act of discerning by seeking wise counsel in the community of other Christians. Liz mentioned finding a mentor, or even in her case, as a mom to her children, She herself is modeling and teaching them how to discern and act in faith. Titus 2 talks about how the whole point of intergenerational relationships between older men and younger men 
and older women and younger women in the teaching of very practical ways of honoring God in those roles and responsibilities is that we live self-controlled, upright, godly lives until Jesus returns. Perhaps also, as Michelle noted, that there's more work spiritually that God is doing in revealing our brokenness, in unpacking what's holding us back in our decision-making or ability to fully trust God. And we perhaps can't fully know that without good counsel. Something I didn't think about before that Michelle hit on is that the act of discerning is also a part of healing, maturing, and sanctifying us. So it's not just about making a single decision point, but it's an act of spiritual formation. And we need other people in the community of other believers to help us to see what those things are. Finally, when we're making a decision, we need to acknowledge that all of us are made differently in how we decide. So whether you're the S type who's sensing on the Myers-Briggs type indicator and has to make bliss and come to a decision by weighing the facts, or you're like me and you're the N intuitive type who goes with her gut, we all still need to make a plan and then proceed ahead in faith. I'm learning to do my due diligence in discerning and even with just the slightest of certainty to have faith and trust God in his sovereignty and allow his will to be done. This requires humility and us holding our plans loosely before him. Michelle also reminded us that God is in the business of restoring things in Jesus and his greater story is towards an eternity that is, that's perfect. All will be good one day, but until then, I must discern what's good in a fallen and broken world. Father, our prayer echoes that of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 9-11, that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to your glory and praise, our great God and Father. Help us then, O God, as we look forward to Christ's return, to seek to live faithfully for your glory and kingdom until that day comes. Thanks for listening to the Life as He Reveals podcast. For more episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find me on my website, lifeasherevealscom